Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 25 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood. And uh, Andrew Martin is currently in the middle of a move and doesn't have internet access at this point. So for this week, we have brought on a guest host. He is the supreme overlord of Purple Row, Russ. Hey Russ, how are you? I'm doing all right, but I prefer the uh, title Benevolent Dictator. All right, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, what's wrong with Supreme Overlord? Uh, you don't want me getting into a Star Wars conversation now. No. Uh, well, we could, but that would be for an off-topic podcast, which is the next natural progression that this, this podcast will take, I'm sure. Oh, jeez, I'll be getting angry emails about that, too. <laughs> you get angry emails from people about off-topic posts? Yeah, I've occasionally got on them, and, uh, you know, I try to best explain to them that it's hard to avoid them given how much of a community we've developed. Yeah. Um, I've gotten a few emails regarding the podcast, but I've never been – I don't think I've gotten any service emails about the actual blog. Like, I don't think anybody's ever complained to me about anything like off-topic posts, so I never really get in to see any of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, for now, though, this podcast will be strictly baseball talk, except when it isn't. <laughs> um, so – uh, we can discuss a few notes from today's game, today being Sunday the 29th. We obviously, as I say, every podcast are recording one day one day before anybody actually gets to listen to it. But uh, we learned that, uh, let's see, what was it that, that Troy Tulewiski was pulled out of the game for? Strain something or other? It was... Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I just got back a couple of minutes ago, so um, this is all news to me. I haven't even, you know, watched the game over yet. Right. Uh, I am just checking to specify exactly what it was. It was a uh, uh, whiskey removed from the game as a precaution. It is uncertain if he can play Monday. Tightness in his right groin. Okay. So as far as we know, this is just a precautionary uh, move. We don't – we won't know anything more until uh, Monday during the day. And, uh, you know, it would be relatively – significant uh, hit to the lineup, I would say, wouldn't you, if we had to sit him a couple days during the Giants series? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it, just the way this offense is, you, you, we need him in there, uh, just how streaky the offense can be, he, he's a big deal to that. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, you know, he's been absolutely fantastic ever since returning from the DL, and, uh, he is, uh, you know, a spark plug, as, as, as we all know pretty well. So um, hopefully that's, that's not any sort of significant uh, problem, and, uh, the, and it's nothing we have to worry about, but it's still worth mentioning here at the top of the podcast. He was, uh, again, removed at the bottom of the eighth, uh, and uh, so we can hope that uh, that's not going to be any significant uh, continuation, so to speak, of how these injuries have been going uh, because, you know, we had Rafael Betancourt sit down a little bit recently, and uh, thankfully that didn't seem to cause too much of a problem. Um, the other note that we can talk about with the game, just offhand, I know you didn't see it yet, but we can we can mention the Manny Ramirez thing. It might be his final, uh, I mean, we don't really know for sure, but it might be his final Dodger at bat. I guess, depending on what they end up doing with him. But uh, he was uh, pinch hitting 
I can't, I think it was the fifth or sixth inning. It was middle of the game. And, uh, Matt Reynolds was in there. He, uh, threw him one pitch and, uh, it was pretty significantly off the plate. I think pretty much everybody agreed that it was, uh, it was not actually a strike, but, uh, Ramirez was upset and, uh, started barking at the umpire and it led to a pretty quick ejection. And I think the note that is perhaps most significant about that was he uh, was not backed up by Joe Torre. Joe Torre didn't even leave the dugout. It, it was it was seemed to be kind of a, an indication that they had already, you know, without officially having parted ways, they had already kind of formed a a, a schism or a, some sort of division there. And uh, you know that might kind of be lead to speculate that uh uh ramirez is going to be given away even if they can't uh can't work out a deal uh i don't know if you have any thoughts on that without having actually seen the play but you know just what does that indicate to you about this the state of the relationship there i think it pretty much shows up as bad and, and he he's gone uh, i mean why wind up sticking up for a guy who's not going to be with the team and mm-hmm. Possibly a couple of hours. Right. And uh, it seems like uh, the fan base of uh, – it's actually kind of hard to tell. I I don't really know if I'd feel comfortable saying that they've been supporting Manny because on uh, True Blue LA, uh, the game today, uh, I wasn't posting. I just had it up. And uh, I think think they seem to be pretty much over over him. They've already come to the conclusion that he's – He's gone. They 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 did think it was kind of legendary in a sense that he was gonna he he might be going out on that note, <laughs> you know, uh, just one pitch in a in a key situation. And I think somebody described it as you know, oh, it's that's that right there is a metaphor for our whole season right there. But um, you know, we still have a lot of reasonable amount of games left against LA. We've got six more games, I think. Yes, we do. Uh, we. Didn't we only played them twice in the first half, which was interesting. I think last year was the opposite, wasn't it? We played them like twelve games in the first half, something like that. Yeah, that's familiar to me also. Uh, so we'll still be. Uh, I mean, the, the way they see it, and they're still in kind of a fight for for fourth place with us. And uh, you know, I would think that both teams are secretly hoping that they have a, a higher scale to climb there, that they can go a little farther than that. But uh, really, for the most part, they—at least the impression that I've got—is that they're they're a little bit over him, and uh, he, he can still hit, as everybody keeps saying. But I don't really expect the team to really change all that much, for better or for worse, without him. Uh, in the lineup. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but mm, it's hard to say. I, I have to um, look up some numbers here, but I, I don't really um, have the time to do it right now. Yeah, that's so, fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I'm certainly not speaking from a statistical perspective here. I'm just thinking that with the way their team has been performing, I don't, I mean, they've been sitting him anyway and, for the last you know half half a week or so, four or five days, he's basically been a, a glorified pinch hitter. Uh, only got into our series uh, through pinch hitting, and so um, I would say that uh, 
they as a team just just from their own personal mentality they've already kind of moved beyond uh uh him and are playing with the assumption that he's not going to be around and he uh really wasn't going to be in their plans anyway beyond this year so this is just one of those those potential moves that really doesn't have a a significant uh impact in my opinion so some people would think it, it might just because he's such a big name and has such a, a strong offensive talent still still in there somewhere but i don't really know that that's uh really going to make any big difference uh at least not until next year when they start looking for for other people to fill in that that situation because right now they have uh ethier and camp obviously still there but uh i think uh they I don't know what the deal is with if, whether they intend to keep someone like Pudsednik or not. So there's there's room for changes around there. Uh, any final thoughts on that? Um, I'm glad to see you go, Manny Ramirez. Yeah, uh, I, you know, obviously this year he'd be going to Chicago White Sox, but uh, I think uh, it's possible he winds up somewhere else in the AL next year as well. Um, you had mentioned before we started recording that you wanted to talk a little bit about Jim Tracy's move, uh, during the Ubaldo Jimenez start last week where, uh, he had left him in, uh, he was at, he was over 110 pitches somewhere. Some it was 114, 114. 114. Okay. And, uh, were we still ahead one to nothing at that point? Uh, yeah, the, entering the... Top of the eighth, we were still up one nothing. Right. So in a sense, uh, Jimenez had already he was already in, he was certainly already in line to get the eighteenth win if we held on. He was also clearly you know worked hard that day, and uh, you know I'm sure you all remember, and I won't go into the specifics because I'm sure everyone is very grief stricken about it, but. Uh, you know, uh, Jimenez uh, was not too effective that inning, and then uh, you know one one thing led to another, and Matt Belial in relief ended up giving up a grand slam, which uh, changed the course of the game completely, and not only you know eliminated our chance of winning the game, but ended up uh, get p- pushing back uh, Ubaldo's 18th franchise franchise leading 18th win another week at least or another five days so um it it sparked a a rather significant debate amongst robots about you know just how much can we lay that blame on on jim tracy um and i guess what are your thoughts on on just that and and whether or not you think that indicates any sort of pattern in Tracy's managerial style that that you've noticed? Well, um, if you people actually read SB Nation Denver, I um, went over this, and that's where I really give my thoughts on the Rockies these days because um, I'm all into building a community over there as well. But uh, just to bring it up again, uh, look, I, yeah, I'm going to blame Jimenez for, you know, not – pitching well in that inning, and I'm going to blame Belial for giving up that home run on that awful pitch. Uh, but um, I do think we have to place some of the blame on Tracy for not saying, 
you know what? I need to use my bullpen. I, you know, I put Jimenez out here for um, for, for quite some time uh, when he shouldn't have, and uh, usually when I have, it's just not worked out well. But um, in this instance, it, I think mm, I'm trying to think about, it, but I think this might be the one instance where they actually wound up uh, giving up the lead. The other times he may have given up a run or two, but it was the game was still um, in the Rockies' favor. Um, and I, I just think if people try to focus too much on one person, we wind up with, mm, well, everybody remembers what the game, uh, the, uh, game rap looked like. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's tough to tell because I always take the position that, you know, I, I, I don't have the, the, uh, the skill set or the, the, uh, knowledge really to assign just how much or, or or just how right or wrong Jim Trace's decision was. I wasn't in the game thread that day, but apparently just from what I've heard of people reporting, everybody was pretty clearly suspicious and very surprised that that ended up happening. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I'm surprised as well because we know that Tracy has not been afraid to to work Jimenez into 120 plus territory. He's done it last year and he's done it this year multiple times, and you know clearly he can handle it. He's 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 not. Uh, there haven't there haven't been any like clear cut cases where you know he like pitched Jimenez's you know just th- straight into a fatigue state and uh, you know he just was completely ineffective for some time. Uh, there was some speculation that Jimenez's is uh, sort of mid season, uh, you know, skill set decrease, if you will, seemed to uh, possibly indicate that it, it was from being overworked, but I don't really think that's a clear answer. You know, he during that time had also gotten sick with the flu and a couple other unusual things happened. So, I think that while I'm not afraid of letting Jimenez pitch that far if it's necessary, I think the concern is that in that case, it feels like it would have made more sense to trust the bullpen. And as I pointed out in the game thread, I'm not saying that that was that was a game-winning switch because we don't know. Maybe Belial was going to give up similar uh, – uh, pitches to the one he gave up if he had come in a little bit earlier and it still wouldn't have worked out. Maybe it wouldn't have been his night. But at the same time, it just seems to me that there wasn't much of a reason to keep Jimenez in that game unless, and I'm a, I, this is to, just completely an assumption, unless Jim Tracy felt that because Jimenez is the ace, we need to, you know, ride that, that, uh, that quality of him as much as possible. And, Belial and Bimel and Betancourt and all the other people at the bottom of our bullpen have really, for the most part, been pretty good this year. Uh, with a you know a couple of specific anomalies where you know we've had uh, them go through a couple tough spots, but I I don't really see a reason why Tracy would be so inclined to to distrust uh, putting Belial in a close game where the starting pitcher, even if it's Ubaldo Jimenez, has already been ridden for, you know, 114-ish pitches. And uh, so it was definitely a, a suspect move. And I'm 
at the same time, as as we were saying, I don't know that I'm inclined to just throw that on Tracy saying, oh, he cost us the game outright. But uh, I think that the uh, game would have gone a different way, perhaps, if uh, if the different decision had been made. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Jim Tracy or on uh, just j- just just in general? Do you think that's something that uh, he's done too 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 much? Has he has he been too hard on Jimenez in general? Well, you know, there's always that concern of you know uh, a manager overworking his pitcher. I mean, but then I think as um, franchise twenty six pointed out in the game thread. Steven Strasburg, he was, you know, babied this entire season. Um, yeah, as much as they try to protect him, he still wound up having Tommy John surgery. You know, ultimately, the players have to perform on the field. And, you know, Jimenez didn't, Belial didn't. That's where the te- where the, the players need to come through most. And they didn't. Tracy made, made the best decision they could. And while it didn't work out, I, I just don't think, you know, we should crucify him as some people attempted to do. The devil's advocate position, and I'm not taking this position. I really don't feel comfortable taking a position, as I said, in in, in this case, because I just don't feel like there's enough information for me to conclude that uh, Jim Tracy was right or wrong or some such like that. But the people would argue that can you really expect a player like Ubaldo Jimenez to who has been – you know, worked hard recently and all season to uh, um, to perform as as you would expect him to perform in that case. Um, you know, you have people on the other side saying, and I, I would assume this is kind of where you'd be coming from, which is, oh, that just can't be used as an excuse. And and I, I I'm okay with that. I agree that it is the player's job and it is their expectation. It is the expectation of their performance that they are going to do everything they can to uh, to put the team the team in in oh, a, in a winning position. So I, I, I guess the question is, how do you feel about that that counter argument that you know when you have your ace pitcher at 114 pitches and he's looking tired, can you really put the same the same level of expectation on him to perform? Uh, see, I, I guess he can't, but, you know, I think if you listen to Tracy after the game, he said, well, yeah, sure, he was that deep in, into his pit, into a pitch count, but he's the ace. They're supposed to be able to, you know, come through even when they're not at their best. Right. And uh, I think it's, it, it's fair to say that, uh, well... <laughs> it is funny because I, I do have trouble coming coming onto a specific direction one way or the other because every time I start thinking, oh well, Tracy, you know, could have realized that he, he can't put those same expectations on his pitcher and and, go, and gone a different way, which is what I think most people would have expected. But at the same time, I start feeling uncomfortable with that because you just can't. We don't know how or why. Tracy had so much confidence in in Jimenez. People were saying that uh, they heard Jimenez in the post game show, which I didn't watch that day. But they were saying that he he was saying that, oh yeah, I was going to go out there and pitch as long as Tracy told me to. And 
Tracy was saying, oh, yeah, I was going to go out and let him in his pitch as long as he thought he could. And that kind of establishes a, a, a bit of a problem there in which neither personality is going to uh, be the one to say, okay, you're done. Or is it, it, neither is going to do that without some sort of sign from one way or the other. And uh, in that case, I, I do kind of understand the criticism of Tracy because it is it should be the manager's job, at least I think so, to be the one who makes that decision. And he shouldn't be – even with Ubaldo Jimenez as an ace in your rotation, he shouldn't be quite so confident that Jimenez is going to make the right decision there because he is the kind of player and he has the talent to – want to be the kind of guy who goes out there as long as he can and is going to be prepared to handle whatever the game throws at him. And basically he would have a, a, a kind of air of invulnerability about him, which, you know, just wouldn't be the case. Am I making sense? Um, yeah, I get, I get the argument. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's hard not to disagree with, I don't know, parts of both sides, because ultimately you you can't give the blame to just one person in this kind of situation. Right, and I think we can definitely agree on that. At least the two of us can. I think that most people are still pretty upset about that decision. And, you know, they said that Tracy was, oh, th- he was throwing, throwing Belial and Jimenez under the bus in the, uh, in the post-game show. Again, I didn't see that post-game show, but... Somebody said that he also said Tracy was ki- Tracy had said he was kicking himself over the move, and you know, just because you say in your post game report Jimenez was not showing his best stuff and Belial gave up a meatball pitch, that's not necessarily absolving yourself of blame. I think that there's a little bit too much of an expectation for the manager to be willing to just sit down and say, "Oh yeah, I made the wrong move, totally." When, uh, you know, he might, he might completely think he did, but I don't necessarily think that anybody can say he's just abstaining from taking any sort of responsibility or having any accountability in the situation just because he doesn't attract any negative attention to himself. Because I don't really, you know, the only manager other than Tracy who I've seen speak regularly is obviously Clint Hurdle. And he might have done that a little bit more often, but I don't necessarily think that, that that was the intent on Jim Tracy's part. I don't think he left that game saying this, this game is entirely on my players' shoulders. I'm sh- I'm, I would be shocked if he didn't feel some sort of weight uh, in, in knowing that he could have gone a different direction. But I, at the same time, don't think that he should be, you know, expected to to highlight his his own role in the situation that way. Um, any response or? Uh, no, I think um, I think we've about covered this topic. Yeah. Um. So the other thing we can talk about here for the rest of the uh, the half hour here, we've got about you know ten minutes or so to uh, discuss who we want to see called up from the minors on the roster expansion, which is going to happen September 1st. That's this Wednesday. 
And this topic's been covered a lot. I wrote about it in uh, in my rock pile. Uh, robot Matt Berger wrote a fan post about September call-ups. Rocks Girl's been talking about September call-ups. So, you know, I think that uh, we have some form of uh, understanding about who we can expect to be purchased here. But I just want to know, not from a who's likely to be called up, but who do you want to see? You know, I, I know you're familiar with the minor league system pretty well. You write Pebble reports regularly, I, d- I believe. Or at least you still do, don't you? Yeah, you know, um, th- three times a week. Right. So what uh, players have been giving you a, a strong positive impression about uh, – um, you know, justifying a, 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 a look in September? Uh, well, I mean, one of them is a uh, guy who's been with the uh, team for uh, or the organization for, for a few years, Matt Miller. I think he finally deserves at least a shot in the majors. Uh, it's not going to be anything spectacular, but, uh, you know, I like those uh, stories of players who work hard and finally reach the majors. There's been a lot of... Uh controversy around Miller, and maybe not controversy, but I, I, it's kind of the right word. Uh, a lot of people have said throughout the last couple of years that his success in AAA, and his success in AAA has been two or three years old now. He's uh, He's been up at that level for some time. And, uh, you know, people are saying, well, we can't expect Matt Miller, because of his skill set, to... Uh, you know, to to be any sort of uh, to to be expected to be any sort of major league impact type player. Um, now, obviously, we can say, and I'm sure the people who are down on Matt Miller in that way would agree that uh, we can't well, know he, for sure. But oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was gonna say, I, I'm I, even though I do want him to be in the majors, I'm on the downside of him and saying, you know. I wouldn't expect much out of him, but you know, just just to get some time in the majors would would be a, a huge step forward for for a guy like him. So you would say that Miller has earned a look, but won't necessarily uh, shouldn't necessarily be expected to make an impact. I mean, obviously, when you're call up for a September call up, you don't really make an impact regardless. But you would say that uh, he's earned a shot. We just don't necessarily. Uh, it, we shouldn't necessarily count on him to wow us with what he yeah, shows us. He, you know, he doesn't. He's not really in the long-term plans of the Rockies. No, he's not. He and and you know the fact that he wasn't called up last year or the year before is kind of. Uh, he was right along the same path as Seth Smith, I I, I think. And uh, you know, Smith was the uh, the pick over him when when that spot opened up for a reserve outfielder, and so. Um, it should be pointed out, Miller, if he's not purchased for a September call-up, he's going to be eligible for minor league free agency, which means he will be able to declare himself a, free, a minor league free agent at the end of the season and can potentially sign with another organization. Now, some players uh, do re-sign with us just out of loyalty, and one of those players was Colt Garner. He was eligible for minor league free agency last year, and ended up coming back to us. And he's another candidate for a call-up. He's, uh, a, a, you know, I think he's in his, he's, he's in his upper, upper 20s by now, isn't he? He's got to be somewhere well, out there. He's probably I can, the I same can year as Ian Stewart, so 
He's probably right around 25. Yeah, I'll check right now. He was 2003 draft. So I'll bring it up right here on our good friend Baseball Reference. Yeah, he's 25 this year. So he's not uh, – he's certainly not out of the uh, range to uh, expect somebody – I feel uncomfortable saying that because we see players come in at, you know, 31, 32 and end up sticking. So it's never really over as long as you stick with it. But at the same time, he's kind of past that, uh, you know, 22, 23 area where someone of particular, although I guess that's more common for high school players. Basically, the point is with Miller, he's not super young for a prospect anymore, but at the same time, he is, uh, he's not old. (laughs) And uh, I I kind of get the impression, though, that Miller might be more likely to sign with another organization than someone like Garner, because Garner was – he came up a little bit slower than Miller did because he didn't play his first two years. I don't really know why that is, but he was uh, – in 03 and 04, he didn't uh, – Well, uh, 03, uh, 03 he, I think he was actually a uh, draft and follow um, guy, so that's why he went and played in 2003. And then he was at an 04 as well. Um, so basically, you get with somebody like Garner. He, he Basically, to, to explain how the minor league contract works when you sign it is uh, the, the standard minor league deal you get when you sign professionally with the team, whether it be through the draft or whether it be through you know the Dominican leagues or the amateur Latin leagues somewhere else, is you bind yourself to the team for seven seasons. But unlike certain other uh, things that that define, you know, the season maybe as a full season or something like that, uh, the seasons for, in that minor league contract count regardless of whether you play or not, and that includes the year you sign. So basically, if you sign in 04 like Matt Miller did, you're there from 04 to, to 2010, or you, you are, are bound to the team for that long, and then after that, you're free to sign elsewhere. So what you get with Garner is, because he was drafted in 03 and didn't play in 04, he only has five of those seasons to actually get to play in the organization, but the other two, even though he didn't play, count against him. So you wind up with uh, him having a little bit less time to really make that impression. But I think, Gar- having been following the AAA team, Garner has really heated up over the past two weeks or so. He's raised his average from about 280 to about 305. He's uh, he's on a tear, and he's hit. He's 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 been being very productive, whereas Matt Miller, you know, he had Miller's had a fantastic season. He he was up there amongst the uh, close to the OPS leaders in the in, in the organization for a while, but he uh, he's been kind of on the on, on the downturn recently. He hurt his leg for a little bit. I don't think he ever went on the DL, but he was basically relegated to pinch hitting duty for about a week and a half, and since then he just hasn't really been. A superstar, but I think both of them have significant chances of being purchased for September, and uh, we do have the roster room for three players right now. We uh, the the we haven't really talked about the roster much because we took a week off of the podcast last week, but the uh, with Brad Hop leaving and with Randy Flores leaving, and uh, with Greg Smith being outrighted earlier in the week. We've got three open spots, and I would say that it's pretty likely that at least one of Garner and Miller are going to be one of them. 
and it's possible both of them find ways in there. Um, any other players that caught your eye? I mean, I have a couple more I can talk about, but well, how about just for laughs, Alan Johnson? Maybe that's not so much of a laugh, but it's uh, it's not so much of a laugh anymore. I mean, last year it was kind of a laugh because he was having a reasonably good season for you know half of it, at least for the first half. And then, you know, he, he kind of regressed a little bit in the end. And I think people kind of got a little bit over overly excited about him, like he was going to have a, you know, a breakout season and was suddenly going to involve himself into the future plans of the team. And, you know, most of us felt that was pretty unlikely, and it didn't end up happening. And then this season, pretty much the entirety of the AAA pitching staff has been pretty depressing um, Matt Reynolds was a bright spot, but of course he's already found his way up here. Um, and, uh, Alan Johnson is, uh, just su- su- sufficing to say he's not a priority. Uh, he is rule five eligible, but I don't think anybody would take him. And even if they did, I don't think it would be that big of a loss because really the role he's been filling is triple a rotation filler. That's not to say that they they wouldn't be very pleased if he suddenly broke out and proved that he could he could make a difference but you know he's there to be the fourth or fifth starter in the rotation while you know the Chassines and Rogers and Deduno and and all all those other types of pitchers get most of the time and of course this year Chaz Rowe kind of got that opportunity and he hasn't really responded Chaz Rowe is one of the guys who's already on the roster who's probably not going to see time this year in the majors um he's just not ready for that call up yet and they'll probably have him repeat triple a next year and see if he uh he does a little bit better with that one other possible joke uh joke name we can bring up although it's less of a joke because i think it's actually possible they they bring him up is jay payton um Peyton's had a fantastic year as well, or at least superficially fantastic. I'm, uh, people have been going and looking into his stats and saying, eh, high average. It's not been that productive, I guess. But at the same time, you, you, you have to give some credit to Peyton for, you know, we, we went into the season with a bunch of veterans down there who were trying to revive their careers. We had Tim Redding in the rotation, and we had Paula Duca, catcher, and uh, all of them left except Jay Payton. Um, he uh, he stuck with it. He's he's trying to fight his way back into the uh, into the uh, you know majors. And uh, you can kind of make a case, I think, that for putting up with that and doing well in general uh, for AAA, he might have earned himself. Uh, you know, a September with the Rockies just to see what happens. Um, maybe not at the expense of someone else, but, you know, with three spots, uh, I'd say we're we're looking at definitely a possibility of seeing Peyton uh, return. Uh, what do you think about the idea of bringing Peyton up? Are we living in 2002 or 2003 again? Because... Uh... Yeah, no, I, I just don't think it's it's it would be a good move to make. He, you know, older guy, and yeah, he, he's looking good somewhat. But uh, uh, he might be if you want to play to the whole veteran veteraniness, maybe. But you know, I, I I I'm just not gonna make the move and call him up when uh, there might be. A, 
two other guys that could uh, possibly use the time. Right. And I, I don't think anybody would really make the argument that Peyton should be somehow a bigger priority than, say, Miller or Garner. But at the same time, with three spots, we could presumably devote that spot to him without cutting anybody else out. In terms of other people who could be bought or have their contracts bought from the minors, we've got uh, Paul Phillips, I guess, is a candidate. He was on the roster earlier this year. But, of course, we also have Mike McHenry, who's already on the roster. And uh, well, we all want to uh, look at those quads. Huh. Yeah. Um, he, uh, there's a possibility they call up both of them, I guess, but I think that even in September, there's really not a huge need for four catchers, uh, because really two of them going to play then really exactly. Uh, you, whoever we call up, whether it be Phillips or McHenry or both, neither of them is going to be seeing a lot of time until late in the season when we know, say, if we've already been eliminated from the playoffs, then, yeah, start McHenry and see what happens. But, um, yeah, that's that's what we did with Ubaldo Jimenez in uh, September of 2006. We called him up and then didn't let him get into a game until we were eliminated, and then we, we kind of inserted him into the rotation a little bit. But... I suppose it's possible we call them both up. I think in 07 we had two catchers, but I think that was, or rather two extra catchers. But I think that was because we had just such a weird, unstable team that year that uh, we uh, were just taking all the extra stops. And because we had Edwin Bayerine and maybe one other, I can't remember who it was at this point. But um, so Phillips is a possibility, but I, I w- wouldn't say it's a it's a priority. And then Brad Eldred was designated for assignment earlier in the year, so he's not on the roster anymore. Thing Eldred could add to the team is he could add, uh, you know, right-handed power that you could you know pinch hit every once in a while, and you know, cut c- kind of what Giambi's been relegated to uh, this past couple of weeks because he hasn't been starting at first base anymore. Um, so those are a couple of possibilities. I don't know if there are any, uh, kind of sleeper candidates that you might have up your sleeve, but, uh, yeah. Do you have any other? No, not like Yeah, I would say that the most likely people to fill those spaces are Garner and Miller, um, possibly Peyton, with, uh, Eldred and Phillips kind of on the, uh, uh, the back burner, if you will. So, uh, let's see. We are at 35, no, 38 minutes. Okay. So let me bring up the schedule for next week here and we can go over that real quick. Uh, we are headed to San Francisco right now and then we play there Monday through Wednesday, I believe. And then, um, my internet browser is freaking out. Do you have the schedule we, up by any chance? We have the uh, Thursday game against the Phillies. That's right. September 2nd, we've got the makeup game against the Phillies where we, we bound back from California for 24 hours, and then we head straight back to San Diego, I think, right? Yep, yep, the three games to San Diego. So, yeah, that, that actually provides one topic we can talk about real quick just to wrap things up. What do you think about the scheduling of this game? I mean, the only – it was – Looking through the schedule is really the only game that made any 
only off day that we both had that made any kind of sense. There was one other one where like the Phillies would have to like fly from Florida to Denver to like Philadelphia, which, you know, is slightly more unreasonable than pulling us out of California. I guess the point is, do you think that, I mean, from a scheduling perspective, we can understand why they did it. But from like a team perspective, do you think that this is going to be detrimental to the, the sort of continuity of, of, of the, of the travel schedule, or is it just going to rub completely over them and not going to matter a lick? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. uh, I'm going to say that it, it might have some effect on how they play just because you figure, oh, you know, they moved the Wednesday game time earlier. I guess it's an afternoon game now. Yeah, it used to be an evening game because that was an off day and there didn't need to be any sort of, you know, flight out of there. But I think I definitely heard that they changed it. So at, at the very least, even if it's not an afternoon game, they did move up the time a couple hours. So, they could uh, get out of there and get into Denver at a reasonable time. And Aaron Cook is going to be starting that game. Um, That's a whole other can of worms that's been opened on the blog recently. But uh, at the very least, he's not going to have to be traveling with the team at that point. They can activate him and send him straight to to Colorado from Tulsa. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, from the starting pitching perspective, that shouldn't be a problem. Um, so I guess the only concern would be some sort of extra fatigue on the team. Really, I'm not too concerned about it, especially since the game itself is a home game. It would have been a much bigger deal if we had to play in a, an extra away game in the middle of that set. Uh, the optimist would say, yeah, we can uh, get an extra boost of confidence from a game at home in the middle of a road trip in the division and uh, hope that that uh, improves some some play on either side of it. But at the same time, you know, that's just that's just being hopeful about it. We still have to, as a team, uh, perform over these next six games in the division, being the three against San Francisco and the three against San Diego. Uh, the uh, especially with uh, with San Francisco, since we're now far more of a wild card team than a divisional contender. So I think with that, unless you have any other final notes, uh, that about covers everything that we had on the plate today. Uh, you have any, anything you want to tell the people? <laughs> this team is bad on the road. Yes. Uh, we, we are well aware. It is. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I just want to make that crystal clear because, you know, might not be. Are you saying that, uh, well, are you saying that this is a conclusion that should not be jumped to just because... Well, you know, we, we've had, what, 18 years of this? Uh, I think we can come to some pretty good conclusions about this and not have to hear about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. At the same time, you know, it would be nice to see some uh, some sort of bounce back, uh, some sort of improvement in that category. We had a winning season on the road last year. Uh, I certainly... You went 40. It wasn't that, that great. No, it wasn't. It certainly we, we've never been on a team to play on the road like say the Padres are this year, who are all uh, who I think they had the best road record of any of the teams, but I, I can't remember. I think they did at one point, but 
Um, I certainly don't expect that to ever happen, or at least not to happen regularly. But at the same time, uh, these past two long road trips after the All-Star break were both pretty depressing. And uh, I think that a, a team with a better road, at, road uh, you know, talent there would uh, – not necessarily talent because talent can be un, untapped or untouched. But, you know, team with a better road performance is in a much better position than we are. And uh, that I don't think that we can uh, continue to uh, hope for any sort of positive uh, conclusion to the season uh, without spending, you know, the September uh, performing better on the road. Thankfully, September is mostly home games, so we have that going for us. But, uh, you know, this San Francisco series is big. And uh, I hope that we're able to uh, to pull at least at least two games out of there. But you know, I certainly can't have. I can have uh, hopeful expectations, but I can't have. You know, I, I'm everybody knows I'm not the type to go predicting anything. So the chips will fall the way they fall, and uh, it's just that we need to emphasize the importance of defeating one of the peop- one of the teams that is ahead of us in the uh, uh, wild card chase. And, of course, Philadelphia will count towards that as well. So the next four games are all are all pretty significant. So on that note, I think we're about out of time. Uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me on. I hope I um, make some more appearances. Yeah, I uh, should update people with informing them that uh, we have – I'm working on trying to get three-person shows to work where I can get both Andrew, myself, and a guest on. And if that all works out pretty smoothly, we can have you back any time. And then uh, if it doesn't work out smoothly, I'll have to explore some other option there. But I think uh, I think the, the technology I have right now is capable of doing that, but I have yet to test it for sure. So with that, I think that about wraps everything up. On, by, on behalf of myself and Russ... Uh, Andrew and I will see you next week. Take care.